It's Christmas Day 2022 and it's on a Sunday. Okay, so everybody knows the answer to this. When was the year when that last happened? In other words, how often does Christmas Day end up on a Sunday? All right, seven years, nearly, yes, but 2016, our maths in the front, it's got it right again. But the next question is, when will it next happen? Absolutely right. I'm not expecting to see next When will it happen? You'll be surprised to know that it will not happen until 2023. 11 years. Because when you're completely full and the conversation gets really boring, for the sake of those of you who don't have young children to enliven it, um, you look it up on the web and you'll find it varies between 5 years, 6 years and 11 years. Why? Because of leap years. Okay. So don't let me tell you you don't get really educated when you come to this church. But since you're here or you're watching online, you'll be familiar with the symbol of the Christmas story as seen in that nice um, device that we have up in front of us there. But the real significance of Christmas easily gets... We get sidetracked about it by all these things called presents. It's commercial trappings. Sometimes people are trying to get us to buy into Christmas very early on. Now, since you're all thinking either about cooking Christmas dinner or eating it, I wasn't actually going to show you a picture of food. But I kind of decided that that would be unfair uh, because some of you might have got up late and rushed to get here, and uh, you might not all be having turkey for your Christmas dinner. But food is another major distraction. But for the majority of our fellow spots, they will, there isn't a religious background to their celebration. It's about time off work. It's about presents. It's about food and cards saying happy holidays. But this year, many families will have struggled to eat their home, and to buy food, let alone buy presents. And throughout history, across our world, life has been and is pretty tough for most people. And as this year's amazing space telescope images confirm, we humans seem to be pretty much alone in an unimaginably vast universe full of mysterious galaxies and constellations. All the available scientific evidence points to the fact that our blue-green planet is really rather unique. It supports an astonishing variety of life, including us. And that makes it, for me at least, impossible to believe, as so many do, that the intelligent life which exists on Earth arose from mindless chance processes. And while that slide is really quite nice, it's complete fiction because Earth exists in the blackness of space and there's nothing near us until you get to the moon and even 
it's quite a long way away as we've been reminded recently. Earth is surrounded by the emptiness of space. But I like thinking about this picture at Christmas time. I like thinking about it because I always wonder, and I've done this since I was really quite young, which clearly was a very long time ago. I've always wondered what it would be like, what it was like for Jesus. What would have thought or felt as he prepared to come into this world? Because that's, as we've heard already, exactly what happened on the first Christmas. Jesus said, I have come down from heaven, not to my will, but the will of him who sent me. So that phrase, down from heaven, wherever it is, clearly indicates that he came from outside our world. And he came here with a mission, a very specific plan. And he came to a very specific place in the Middle East, as had been foretold foretold by the Jewish scripture centuries earlier. And as the message of the Bible tells us, his mission was quite unique. It was very specific. The Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. You see, the God who designed and created our unique planet was personally intervening in human history. God the Father was sending God the Son to sort out the mess that we humans made of his originally perfect creation. But also, we've heard them, superheroes that uh, a lot of children love. This superhero as a baby, and he was born in very humble circumstances. God the Son willingly embarked on a well-prepared rescue plan. And he talks in the Bible about saying, a body you prepared for me. Let's have a body. Not in the sense that we understand. That's why this statement is so profound. He came to this girl. He was born for, by this girl who was a, a virgin. And he came in a body created for him by his father. And that's talked about elsewhere in Scripture because we read that Christ, and of course that's just the Greek name for Messiah, that means the anointed one, he was revealed in a human body. And that's the great mystery of the Christmas faith. And that's what I want to think about this morning. The baby born in Bethlehem was fully God and fully man. The early Christians struggled with that just the same as we do. How can this person be fully God, fully man? So for a long time they argued about other ways round about it, other ways to explain it. Maybe Jesus wasn't God until he was born. Maybe he wasn't divine until he grew up. But the church has rightly recognized that all these things are trying to find excuses, explanations for something which literally is important to understand. But as Mary looked at her baby, she must have looked in wonder at his face. And what a familiar question. You know, Granny says, who's he like? Who's she like? Well, I think it's her mother's nose. I think it's his nose. Oh, that's definitely dad's ears. But for this baby, that must have had a special significance. After all, he couldn't look like her fiancé, Joseph, because she was still a virgin. And would he? 
Did he look even remotely like her? She knew she was carrying a boy, but she didn't even get to choose his name because the angel had told Joseph, you are to call him Jesus. Now, we often think that's an unusual name. It isn't. It was a very common name for a Jewish boy. The Hebrew version Joshua simply means God saves. But unlike all the other Jews, Jewish boys who had this name, this baby really was going to be God and he was going to save And Mary also must have remembered the angel's word to her when she was absolutely gobsmacked, told that she would soon carry a child. The angel said, he will be great and will be called the son of the Most High. Hard for a young Jewish girl, hard for anybody to imagine what that could really mean. What questions must have filled her mind as she looked at this? Miracle baby. We know that after his birth and his parents became refugees in Egypt. But we don't know much about him as a young child, a young boy and a young adult. Except that the Bible does record that he grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God man. I've always wanted to have a picture of Jesus' face in my mind. I've always felt it would help me to focus on him. But apart from some rather unreliable traditions, we have no image of Jesus. That's why, like many Christians, I'm really pretty reluctant to show him portrayed by an actor. But when we don't have a picture of him, we know exactly what the Bible tells us he had no beauty or magic to attract us to him. So he wouldn't have got the place. He wouldn't have got the part in a film playing his life because he wasn't a celebrity. And because as far as I can see, he wasn't a good looker. He was dressed in a way that would impress. He didn't have any wealth. didn't have any fancy clothes to enhance his appearance. So in modern parlance, he was a pretty poor He would never have made it on YouTube. Nobody would ever watch his channel or on, I'm going to make a film set talk about all these other things that apparently exist on the web. But you young folks know what they are anyway. And you know that he wouldn't have been followed because of his impressive behavior. Impressive looks, I should say. But he is actually, the fact we're here today in 2022 is just another reminder that the greatest influencer the world has ever seen and the world ever will see. After all, our calendar changed when he was born. Because Jesus is and was God. The Bible tells us that in Christ, lives all the fullness of God in a human body. That's the central teaching of Christianity. Jesus is full of God and full of man. Inconceivable? Definitely. True? Absolutely. But while we don't know what he looked like, we don't know what he looked like, but we know who he looked like. Because he said, the one who looks at me 
he is seeing the one who sent me. When you look at me, you see God. You know the shape of his face or his body because God is a spirit. Listen to what Jesus said. That's what God would say. And when we read about the things Jesus did, that's what God would do. And that's not something Christians invented because throughout his life, Jesus was hated and threatened because his contemporaries really understood that he claimed to be God in human form. So when your friends tell you, no, Jesus didn't claim to be God as my friend used to at school, that's wrong. He did. That's why he got crucified. So the incarnation that we celebrate at Christmas is the most incredible thing in the world. There are no words, as Ronnie and Drew have found already, there's no words we can use to describe the significance of this event, of its uniqueness. These people, his mother and his stepfather, saw him in the stable as a baby, God and man. And his colleagues saw him as God and man. They didn't see him as God very often. And his enemies certainly didn't see him as God. But that's what he was. Who he was. And as well as dealing with paralyzed people in the previous pictures, he said when he was faced with somebody who was blind, who needed his help, he said, I've come to the world as light. So that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. He came to be the light of the world. And from his other teaching, it's very obvious he wasn't talking about physical darkness. He always made it very clear that he'd come to shine God's light into the spiritual and moral darkness of our world. He came to give hope and future to everyone who would pay attention to what he was doing and listen to what he was saying. But what did he mean when he talked about light and darkness? Well, here's a young girl. What kind of advice? What advice? Yes, she could have looked like she's waiting for Christmas morning. I'm assuming that she's going through that early teenage stage when you wonder what life is going to be about. What's the future going to be? Wondering about her personal future. What can we say to her? Well, popular thinking says you can do anything. Just get up and do it. Follow your dreams. And yes, in the West, young women, quite rightly, have never had more opportunities for personal advancement. Yes, I'm all for encouraging people of all ages to have a positive attitude. As some of you know, I approach technical problems with I can do anything attitude. Of course, my family know well, I can't always achieve. I think I can. Positive thinking can help, it doesn't help you fix things that are a problem. As my brother always says, John, it's just as well you're good at fixing things because you're extremely good at breaking them. (laughs) The very thought of my future depending totally on me and my personal efforts fills me with absolute horror. Those who peddle such a recipe for a successful life, they, they don't live in the real world. At least they don't live in the world that I've known for the last 70 odd years. And they've nothing to offer to the majority of the people in our world today. And yes, I'm getting angry because these people have little hope of bettering their lives, no matter how positive they choose to be. 
these kind of meaningless to my personal opinion words are okay in our affluent West. They might be true for some people, but for the majority of downtrodden people in our world, they have no hope. That's why Jesus came. And he came and said, I have come to people who were poor, who were suffering under the Romans, and so to all of us in the world today, I have come that they might have life, and then have it to the full. He promised life to the full, to everyone who followed him. And I would say that throughout centuries, he has delivered on that promise. And his promises are offered to everyone in our broken world. They're even offered to increasingly oppressed young women in Afghanistan. Following Jesus will always be the best way for everyone. Because only he was the way to true success. Because as he said, I am the way and the truth and the life. He doesn't just know the way, he is the way. He's also the truth. And that he knows all the answers about everything we need to know. And yes, I'm old enough to believe that there are right answers. And he gets life because he is the life. Following our dreams is highly likely to leave us rather disappointed or in some cases even pretty dark place. But Jesus promises that we follow him we actually get something that we didn't even dream of. It will be better than the best dreams we may ever have had. And it will happen because we can trust him. But can we trust him? The religious leaders of his day hated him so much as they said that they eventually managed to get him arrested and brutally executed. But weirdly, it was predicted that that would happen. So even if she wept her heart out at the foot of the cross, his mother knew that she'd be warned about that kind of pain when he was a baby. But surely if Jesus really was God, as you're arguing, John, then his enemies couldn't kill him. If he dies, they must prove that he wasn't God. Not at all. Because he only died because he allowed them to crucify him. As this verse points out, he actually laid down his life. Nobody took it from him. He'd come to earth to lay down his life for people like us. Yes, it's a nice effect that we're all nice to each other, a wee bit nicer to each other, one special day of the year, and we'd buy lots of presents to help retail trade. But that's not why he came. He came to lay down his life, to fulfill his rescue mission, to be the saviour of the world. He had to die for the guilty in place of people like me, who deserves to die for my sin. And as people observed his perfect life, they could see what God was like. But in his death, he dramatically demonstrated what love is. How do we know what love is? Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And to conclusively prove who he was, that he was who he said he was, he came back to life again and he showed himself hundreds of people over a period of weeks before returning to where he'd come from. And he gave an assurance to his followers, do not let your hearts be troubled. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And as Andrew rightly said, we may not see another Christmas of us won't on a Sunday. And gives us the assurance those who choose to come as followers need not fear 
and have the most amazing future to look forward to. So this is Christmas. It's God with us. And if we are followers of Jesus, it's God in us. Just to look at some verses that we've thought about a lot in this this week. Yeah, and sorry, our technology is showing them all. The Bible reading that I had this morning. Think of yourselves the Christ Jesus thought of himself. He had status with God, but didn't think so much of himself that he had to cling to the advantages of that status no matter what. Not at all. When the time came, he set aside the privileges of deity and took on the status of a slave, became human. Having become human, he stayed human. It was an incredibly humble process. He didn't claim special privileges. Instead, he lived a selfless, obedient life and then died a selfless, obedient death. The worst kind of death at that, a crucifixion. Because of that obedience, God lifted him high and honored him far beyond anyone or anything ever. That all created beings in heaven and earth will bow in worship before this Jesus Christ. And call out in praise that he is the master of all to the glory of God the Father. And the notes went on to say, if we're Christians and we're following Jesus, depending on what happens around your Christmas dinner table, you might have to display some of Christ's grace today as well as all the other days of our life. Let's just pray. Father, these truths are incredible. We thank you for your wonderful son. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you came into our messed up world and gave up everything so that we could be part of your family. Help us to realize that the only way we can have the kind of life you want us to have is to follow you. Bless us as we spend time later together. Particularly, we ask for your blessing on all those who are homeless, who will struggle to put anything on the table today, and so many folks in our world suffering in war and bitter places. We thank you, Jesus, that you came to bring us all life, and pray that we will look to you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.